Well, first I would say, I don't think everyone should be a leader of people. And so I want to differentiate that. Like everyone should not be an anesthesiologist or a pilot. I, I think there's been a bit of a disservice done that you hear these quotes where everyone's a leader. No, everyone's not a leader of people. Welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Trust. I am your host, Adam Buchanan, coming to you from somewhat sunny northern Salt Lake. And with me, joining me today is Scott Miller, the author of Management's Mess to Leadership Success. Scott, how are you doing today? Man, I'm great. You're right. It's sunny in Salt Lake City for a change. It's spring, and I'm honored to be here today, Adam. I know. We have uh, the sun peeking through. I was just transplanting some daffodils this morning and hopefully uh, getting some better blooms because uh, for my listeners, as you well know, I'm a beekeeper. So I got to keep those blooms nice and healthy. Uh, The bees are actually starting to pull in some nectar right now. So it's kind of exciting. Today is April Fool's Day and we are still in a terrible pandemic. So hopefully no brands will be uh, doing any silly April Fool's uh, brand jokes. But I do have a, a quick April Fool's story. I got engaged to my wife 15 years ago on March 31st at 11 p.m. at night, which is the absolute worst time to get engaged because guess what happens the next day when you tell everyone? No one believes you. So, uh, and a little tidbit there too. We only knew each other two weeks and then we got engaged. So. Well, it is Utah, so I mean, <laughs> kind of par for the course. <laughs> things move fast. What's funny, uh, I, am, I am from New Mexico and my wife is from Pennsylvania, um, but apparently when you put those two things together, you get Utah results, so huh. all right. Uh, well, Scott, thanks for joining today. Glad to, glad to have you here. You come with a really extensive background in management. Uh, tell me a little bit more about yourself and, and your background. Yeah, so I, I live here in Utah like you do. I've been a member of the Franklin Covey Company for 24 years, about the last 10 or so as an executive officer, spent eight years as the chief marketing officer and the executive vice president of business development. Now I serve as the leader of our thought leadership enterprise, if you will, report to the CEO. Uh, originally from Orlando, Florida, kind of like you, nobody's ever from like Orlando or New Mexico. I've never met anybody from New Mexico, right? So I uh, uh, grew up in central Florida, uh, worked for the Disney company for four years, joined the Franklin Covey company, like I said, about 25 years ago, lived in London, Chicago, all over Utah, um, and of course, Florida. So it's been a great ride. I, I'm privileged to write a weekly column for Inc. Magazine. I host what is the world's largest podcast for leaders, leadership podcast for Franklin Covey, uh, authored a couple of books, and uh, and it's all culminated in being on your podcast today, Adam. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's come to this point that the stars, <laughs> the stars aligned we can just we can just take the rest of the year off, you know what the heck. <laughs> um, so that's great. And tell me about. I mean, if you're a local Utah Utahin, Utahin, I don't know what we call ourselves. I just call myself Utah. Adam. I like that. Yeah, Utah, Utah. Um, what do you like to do here in Utah? I mean, there's so much to do. It's a great state. It's why I moved here, right? It was literally the opposite of Orlando. Four seasons, no billboards, no neon, no humidity. I mean, that's why I mean, I picked the opposite place of Orlando, which I loved. You know, I lived there for the first 26 years and here for the next 26 years. 
my wife and I have three sons, five, uh, eight, and nine. So we play a lot of tennis. My boys are coached by the Utes men's tennis coach. So they're very serious about that. Uh, we have a big yard here in Salt Lake. So we play a lot of kickball and football and baseball in the yard. Uh, we love to snow ski in the wintertime. The boys are, you know, usually enrolled in Deer Valley Ski School. So we're not into the fishing or hunting stuff as much. Uh, we spent the last decade up in Park City. So a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of biking and outdoor activities. But uh, I'm sort of an interloper. So we're still doing um, the outdoor stuff without guns and rifles and rods. I'm not opposed to that. It's just not our shtick. Yeah, totally fair. I'm a snow basin guy. And if you've ever been here skiing, skiing in Utah, let us know what resort you like. Uh, Scott is a Deer Valley guy, it seems. Uh, it's kind of like restaurant row here in the, the Wasatch. So true. It's so like, true. Well said. Yeah. Which one do you want? So, well, awesome. Let's, let's dive in and, and talk about management mess and, uh, you know, what, what you're bringing to professionals and how they be, can become leaders in, in their own right. And I think this is very helpful uh, for large organizations, but also down to just a, a professional level. How have you, what, one quick question, how have you seen people, you know, just themselves kind of integrate, you know, these, these ways to become a better leader? Well, first I would say, I don't think everyone should be a leader of people. And so I want to differentiate that. Like everyone should not be an anesthesiologist or a pilot. I, I think there's been a bit of a disservice done that you hear these quotes where everyone's a leader. No, everyone's not a leader of people. Yes, perhaps you're leading your own life, your own brand, a project. But I do think there's a distinction there to be made that if you are going to be a leader of people and not everyone should, then there are some characteristics, some competencies that you need to integrate into all your behavior, into everything you do, primarily around your character and your competence. At Franklin Covey, we teach that, you know, those two things are equally as important, your character and your competence. They're very different, right? One is around your personal trustworthiness, your behaviors, your propensity to show integrity, high integrity in every interaction, to apologize, to forgive, to show humility. And then there is your competence, right? That's your technical capability. That's your ability to move the business forward, to produce results again and again in ways that allows you to keep your culture strong. So I think the first thing I would say is make sure that everybody is thinking, should you be a leader of people? And if you're not, no problem, no shame in that. The world needs a lot of independent producers. Uh, and secondly is to focus on both your character and your competence. I think in the state of business right now where everyone has shifted to working from home, there's this huge mantle that's been put on everybody. And it, you know, whether people like it or not, it's like, so I, I love that you kind of gave that overview in that intro of you still need to be somewhat of a leader of your own ind independent productivity. Uh, I think, I think that's, uh, really, really impactful, especially right now. Uh, what do you suggest for the workforce, you know, to continually, you know, build themselves, you know, possibly using some of these things as we've shifted because of the pandemic and everyone's right. working from home right now? Right. You know, I'll draw my book, Management Mess to Leadership Success, the 30 challenges to become the leader you would follow. There's more than 30 challenges, right? After 40 years, Franklin Covey's learned a thing or two about the challenges leaders face, their principles. I framed them in terms of challenges. You know, what I think is, is clarity and communication. I, I do think leaders can over-communicate because the more you talk, the more you'll make mistakes, the more you'll say things you shouldn't, the more you'll be guessing. So I think that be mindful of how often you communicate. It should be a regular cadence. I think it should be very clear and simple. I think sometimes leaders make the mistake of wanting to 
overcomplicate and use more flowery language and multisyllabic words. I think people respect simple, plain spoken leaders more than we do people with wildly impressive vocabularies. I think consistent communication and vulnerable transparency. You know, absent facts, people make stuff up, right? And people will be suspicious of your motive if you don't declare it. So my first piece of advice there would be when you're communicating with your teams, declare your intent because people will make one up, right? We all have agendas. We have hidden agendas. So talk forthrightly. You know, I, I'm scared. I'll bet you're scared. I'm uncertain. I'll bet you're uncertain. Uh, I'm working hard. I'll bet you're working hard. Let's talk about what we do know. Let's talk about what we think is going to happen. And then we recognize that, you know, we can only control so much of it. So I think the first would really be around being deliberate with your communication. How often, how consistently, regulating your emotions, often on video, so your team can see your expressions and your body language. Uh, you know, in this unprecedented times, right, where everybody's working from home right now, it's important, I think, to stay connected to your team individually and collectively. So for me, I think, you know, we see it in the president, right? Regardless of your politics, I think he's been all over the place the last, you know, a month and a half. And I, I don't think that's an indictment on his character or competence, it's who he is. I don't know that I would follow his model on consistent communication. I think there's other leaders that you could take better advice from. And so for me, I think it's also about being trusted, right? You can't all of a sudden expect people to trust you. You have to earn it. When I give keynote speeches, Adam, I'll often say, raise your hand if you're trustworthy. Everybody's hand goes up. I'm like, no, you don't get to decide. It's other people. They decide based on your consistent, enduring interactions, whether they trust you or not. It's never too late to start. But think about, are you behaving, speaking in a way that's building trust with others? Yeah, part of the framework of marketing trust is the three-prong approach is proximity, honesty, and expertise. And it's ways that brands can you know, ex express that and, and act a certain way. But I love that. I think that's absolutely right. You know, the brand doesn't wake up one morning and say, well, we have a playbook and we right. have right. these things that we do. And, you know, yes, you can do certain things, but at the end of the day, the customer grades you with their wallet, right, of, of who they're going to trust and who they're going to buy from. Uh, one thing I really like, you know, in, in your book is talking about thinking abundantly. Do you feel like that's a difficult thing to do right now? Uh, you know, as, as, you know, companies are having to close and they're having to quickly pivot. Um, how do you, how do you think people are, you know, thinking abund abundantly right now to evolve? I think it's difficult in regular times. I think it's extraordinarily challenging in scarce times, right, which we have, I mean, we look at the toilet paper and the, and the you know, paper towel issues and all that and wipes and hand gel, I mean, or hand sanitizer. Yeah, I do. I think it's a fundamental enduring leadership principle. It's a mindset. Dr. Covey popularized this in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which has sold 40 million copies for a reason. Do you have leader or otherwise a scarce or abundant mindset? I think a lot of us think about it in terms of stuff budget, food, paper towels, paper clips. I think it's beyond that. I think it's, do you have an abundance time or mindset in terms of your time, in terms of attention, in terms of credit, fame, 
I think as leaders, it's important for you to watch your language. We at Franklin Covey talk about too much I language, right? And be mm -hmm. mindful when you're writing emails and memos and in interviews and team meetings. Are you deliberately using we language and us together versus I did this and I did that? And when I'm on an executive team call, every week we're on for three times with the CEO and the team. I have to be thoughtful around what I did this week. Well, I did this and I did that because, you know, my job is no more secure or less secure than anybody else's in corporate America right now. And I have to make sure that I am representing, honestly, my team well as it relates to giving my team members credit for how hard they're working. I think it's a mindset. And we all are sometimes scarce and sometimes abundant. It isn't you are or you're not. I think with self-awareness on the words you use, I language versus us language, it helps to build that muscle over time. The more mindful you are of your mindset abundantly versus scarcely, I think you'll build it to be more abundant. But you're right, it's naturally more difficult in times like this. One challenge that I've seen is, as I've talked to colleagues about, you know, clients, you know, throttling back or, you know, uh, pausing and whatnot, it's, it's kind of a scary time for someone like me who's a consultant to brands and, you know, working on strategy of paid spends and advertising. It's just every day is different. And I wake up and I'm not sure what's going to happen. But one thing I, I've known, and I've done this even in the, I guess, the off pandemic time, I guess we're going to have to start calling it that now. Um, is, you know, if, if I'm overloaded and I'm getting leads or referrals or whatnot, I always try to have other fellow colleagues in mind and making sure that I'm filtering leads to them. And, and one way that I think about abundance and something that I've been specifically blessed with is making sure that my colleagues are taken care of, even though they have their own paycheck, even though they yeah. have their own work and everything. <laughs> I've seen a lot of great you know, uh, it's, I, I do believe in karma. I do believe that that comes back. And so for those listening who, you know, you're going through that difficult time, you know, reach out to me, let me know what you're working on, what you're offering people, because I would love to connect you with anyone that I, you know, might be know of that uh, needs work right now, because people actually are hiring right now. A lot of people think everything's on freeze. Um, it, it depends on the business, depends on the vertical, but there is work to be had out there. So if, if you need to shoot me a note, adam at adamcbuchanan.com, let me know what you're working on. I also, I, um, I do review resumes at no cost. Uh, this is something I do during the holidays, just as kind of a give back. If you're working on your resume right now, need to get that in front of some people. I am not a resume expert, by the way. I'm not uh, someone who has studied that, but I've seen enough. Uh, send me yours. Love to take a look and, and help any way possible because I, I do believe in abundance and I and I love that principle. Thank you, Scott. Uh, the the other thing is you know talking about proximity. This is something on the podcast we talk a lot about of having a closeness with each other. We touched on it a little bit, but how do you recommend people still stay in touch? You know, I know we have Zoom and everyone's taking selfies of you know their Zoom calls and it's like flooding Twitter right now. What other things would you recommend to kind of build that trust through proximity? Adam, do you, do you mean it more in, in, with respect to your internal team or with your clients? I think both. I think, yeah. um, and, and maybe it's a little different, you know, um, because I think clients, you may not have that maybe quick turn or, hey, let's hop on a Zoom real quick or, yeah. um, you know, being thoughtful of that. Um, but yeah, I'd say, I'd say for both, I think most of the listeners, you know, they probably work in small teams, you know, they need to stay close, right. but 
Right. Yeah. They're, I do think it's ones. different. Yeah. I think it's different. Yeah. why I asked for that. I think on your own team, you have to recognize what your culture is, right? I mean, all of a sudden, if you change your style completely, it's going to feel disingenuous, right? Or perhaps a little bit orchestrated. I mean, here's a good example. I'll tell you what I do. I used to lead a team of close to 50 people. And now that I'm the, uh, the leader of our thought leadership team, we're down to about eight. And I like that, actually. And what I do every morning is I start a text stream every morning. Good morning, everybody. How's it going? How was your evening? Everybody doing okay? You know, there's, we had some earthquakes in Utah a week <laughs> or two ago, right? And this is not a joke. It was, yeah. uh, it was very scary. Not to mention, you know, job layoffs happening and, and clients falling off. So I just start a text stream every morning. I'm an early riser. I send it around 7. And sometime between 7 and 9 o'clock, everybody, you know, I had, a, I had a, a team member deliver his wife's baby on their bathroom floor last week because oh it came God. so fast the paramedics couldn't come, right? It was overdue. I know, so it, there was a lot going on in our team, but it's great. I have another team member whose sister has been moved into her home with hospice because they, 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 she doesn't want her to perhaps end her life in a nursing home alone. So there's a lot going on in our team. This is just a simple thing. How's it going? What's happening? Today we had a team birthday and everybody just, you know, texted, you know, happy birthday. So I like that idea of starting kind of a morning team meeting. We've moved all of our team meetings to Zoom, obviously, because everybody's in the field. And so everyone's feeling disconnected. They're feeling worried. They're feeling anxious. It's all appropriate. Uh, we do a lot of calls, so I'm on the phone almost every day with every person, not checking on, but checking in. It's a mm -hmm. fundamentally different mindset. I'm not checking on anyone, right? The level of trust that needs to be extended is um, unprecedented. I'm checking in daily, making sure people have a connection to me, that they have the ability to have their fears calmed right? That they feel relevant, that they feel connected to the leader. Cause ultimately, you know, it's my decision, you know, um, as a responsibility, you know, who stays and who doesn't. And I think we're firm right now. So that's what I'd say internally is don't, don't need your whiplash, your reaction, ease into things, make people, make people know that your intention is to stay connected and not artificially. I think with clients, it differs also. I'd say to everyone out there working with your clients, move off your own agenda do your best to put your own sales goals, your own bank account, your own fear aside. You should know what your client's goals are. If you don't ask, if, you're, if you've got clients that are in the sales side of the company, ask them, hey, what's your quota this month? What's your quota this quarter? What's your gap? What can I do to help you? Whether it helps me or not, like Adam, right? Adam's offering resume advice, right? Adam's got plenty to do. I'll bet you Adam's short on his budget this month, this quarter. I bet you Adam and his wife are scaling back. They're spending right now. Who's not? But Adam's got this abundance mentality, and he's moving off of his own agenda, off of his own timeline onto clients. So I'd, I'd, I'd encourage your people as you're connecting with your clients, be mindful of where their time's going. I, mean, I have a lot of vendors Right now is not the time to inundate me, right? We're communicating on projects. We're working together. I get it. You're stressed. We're stressed. But for those vendors that are moving off of their appropriately scared agenda and they're moving on to my needs, they're the ones that will survive and thrive long-term as a vendor. That's such a great overview. I, I love that. I, even just the, the tactical way of staying in touch with the internal team and then, yeah, shifting the agenda one thing uh, I've done recently too that I've seen um, is very important is sentiment on social media right now is very, very critical. Um, I help clients with their messaging, their content, their ads, all, all sorts of things. 
And one thing that I, speaking of that is, you know, I will be focused on one thing. This is my scope of work. This is what you hired me for, all of that. But when it comes to sentiment, you know, content going out, people responding, especially right now, I've shifted that to, hey, let me, let me do a little bit of sentiment listening. Let me see what people are saying about your ads. Normally, I don't do that. Normally, we're about conversions, driving traffic. But let's look at this whole picture because um, we want to make sure you know, stuff is going out in the right way. It's not tone deaf. And so as you're listening, that's, that's one way of doing that if, you know, on the, on the social side. But yeah, stepping outside your scope a little bit, I think is, is super, super important. Um, the last thing I want to ask you was how do you recommend people maintain a vision and culture for the team right now? You mentioned a lot of great things, but what else would you recommend there for maintaining that vision? Yeah, I think it's a delicate process, right? Everything right now is a carefully calibrated, delicate process. I think those leaders who are confident but vulnerable are the ones that will resonate most with your team. And when I say that, I mean being transparent, right? Talking about what you're clear on and talking about what you're not clear on and, and just being really vulnerable on your own state of mind. I don't think you use your team as your therapist, but I think you're just relatable. People want to relate to their leaders right now. They want to know that your leader, that their leader is going through something similar to them. Uh, so I think you can be uh, overly disclosing of, you know, of company um, situations. So be careful about what it is you do share. As it relates to your vision, I think it's, again, calibrated, right? Is you're, maybe you're talking in three phases, kind of the immediate needs and the midterm needs and the short-term needs. I think it does help if it's accurate to talk about setting ourselves up for the fall, right, and for the summer and for 2021. I mean, I work for a company that's, you know, we're not a large company. We've got 1,000 employees. We, uh, we're a public company, but, you know, we can't thrive for two years with no income, right? No one can. General Motors can't thrive for two years. So as it is appropriate to talk about tranches of time, right, the next nine days, the next 90 days, the next nine quarters, I think that can be helpful. It's helpful to reassure people that we have projects going on in 2021. Right now I'm talking about books that we're launching next year. Mm -hmm. I think subtly that's helpful for people. I'm also talking about books we're launching next week and should we be? So I think there's that. As it relates to team culture, I think it's imperative that leaders know that they are the linchpin. Everything you do, everything you say, everything you write creates culture. Every text, every email, every document, every Zoom call, every snide comment, every piece of gossip, everything, every, every um, suggestion or preponderance, if you don't know it to be true, don't pass it on. If you're frustrated with a person, go to that person. Dr. Covey talked about how gossip is a cancer in every organization, and we need to be loyal to those in our absence. So leaders create culture and be mindful of every text you send because in every moment you destroy or you build culture. Wow, that is a great wrap up. I, I love that, and I think especially right now, as there is that uncertainty, people, oh, I heard this, I heard that, uh, super, super critical. Well, the wrap up here, we play a little game. It's called Name That Handle. It's uh, my favorite segment. And I'm still, I need to work on a t-shirt, a, a Name That Handle t-shirt. I just, I, I, I have a lot of fun with this. Uh, the listeners uh, kind of dig it as well. I'm going to give you one word clues about someone that you are connected with on social media, specifically LinkedIn. So you're going to have to dig through your Rolodex 
Um, I would love, I would love to see if you had an actual Rolodex of everyone you're connected with. It you know, probably- I, I do. Downstairs in the basement is my physical <laughs> Rolodex. I wow. Yeah, I do. I just aged myself, 52 almost. <laughs> oh man. Well, you, you need to post that on, on LinkedIn and say, Hey, uh, if, if, if the internet goes out, I could still stay connected with all of you. Just, On your advice, I'm going to do that today, okay? <laughs> I can't wait. I'm going to watch for that post. Okay. And, and make sure to, to connect with Scott Miller on LinkedIn. Would love um, it. Yeah. I'd be honored. All right. One, one word clues. Here we go. I'm going to Art- fail this miserably. Everybody calibrate your expectations low. You're going to be so judged, too. I mean, here <laughs> we go. That's okay. That's okay. All right. I, I generally start with very difficult, uh, uh, broad Make it easier. But some, some people get it though. Some people get it on the first try. All right, I'm going to give you the, word, the first one. It is trust. Stephen M. R. Covey. Did I nail okay. it? I got to make this more difficult. <laughs> Everyone's getting a, I'm wow. a savant. I'm a LinkedIn savant, damn it. <laughs> Can you see my screen somehow? You're, you're staring. No, that, yeah. that was a snowball. Throw me something serious, bro. All okay. right, all right. Thank you. Thank you for saving me from myself. I appreciate it. I know, because I'm just like, man, that's going to be a, a difficult conversation to have uh, later in the office, the, the Zoom <laughs> office. Uh, Stephen M.R. Covey, The Speed of Trust. Make sure to pick that up. It Dear is friend of mine. One of the most incredible reads. And True. here on the Marketing Trust, we're obviously all about trust, but I think uh, we as a personal level need to figure out how, when we are talking to people, how we have that mindset. That is one of the best books on, on trust. So make sure to pick that up. Steve M. R. Covey and I, I, yeah, I assume that you guys uh, know each other fairly well. Very well. Talked yesterday. <laughs> we talked yesterday. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, well, congratulations. Uh, man, I, I'm going to work on my clues. All right. That's gonna, it? We're done? We're done? That, well, you guessed it so quickly. Oh, I mean, it was great. Like, I was like, I was sweating bullets over here thinking I'm going to go downhill in flames. Only I, looking good. Let's yeah, end this right now. <laughs> you, you got uh, speed points there, uh, pun intended, <laughs> speed of trust. Boom. Thank, you. thank um, you. Well, thank you so much for joining and make sure to pick up Management Mess. Uh, this is uh, Management Mess to Leadership Success. This is Scott Miller's book, and this is very helpful. Even if you're not going to become a leader, like you said in the beginning, I think there's a lot of great things to to look at here, great mindsets to have to, to help you build great relationships. Thanks so much, Scott. Adam, thank you, man. Great luck to your family. See ya.